Could you just tell us a little bit about, about yourself and the organisation? Yeah, so uh, my name is Duncan Pearce. I'm uh, Chief Executive Officer for Flying Futures CIC. Uh, we're based up in uh, in Yorkshire, work across um, North Yorkshire and South Yorkshire uh, and spread a little bit up into the northeast. Uh, we're an organisation that work with um, young people delivering programmes uh, for lots of different reasons, using lots of different medium, arts, sports, music, etc. Uh, my background, uh, I've been working um, in the kind of youth and education sector for about 20 years now. Started off in sports development, uh, quite a chunk of interest in outdoor ed and leadership for young people, those sorts of programmes. Uh, and then I've moved into um, done work with regeneration, young people's participation, uh, crisis placement unit work. Um, so sort of breadth of um, experiences, Amazing. but all the time working with, um, with young people predominantly. Uh, and now, yeah, I find myself um, after 10 years at my previous national organisation that I worked at, uh, here in uh, in sunny Weatherby. Excellent, excellent. And uh, how long specifically have you been involved with NCS? So yeah, that's an interesting one. So um, I feel very privileged to be um, uh, able to say that I was involved, I think probably after the very, very initial pilots, but the first year that there was a, a sort of pilot with um, 11 organisations, I think maybe nine. Um, and uh, I was working with a national organisation, Catch22, who were involved in bidding for that pilot period. Um, and we were successful in uh, delivering a model at the time, which is quite interesting because it was a, a model of delivery that engaged about 50 um, organisations in a supply chain model. Um, and we were sort of the largest uh, supply chain organisation um, delivering during the pilot years. And interesting to sort of see how that's developed and the, you know, the way that the um, ecosystem of NCS has, has yeah. sort of progressed, really. Yeah, so. grown massively. So, yeah. so when was that? When was, when was the pilot kind of period? So back in uh, 2011, 2012, yeah. um, and then uh, just uh, kind of caught this wave, really, and it's just got bigger and bigger, and uh, we've, we've tried to do sort of, you know, more and more good quality work with young people uh, in the previous organisation, and then really fortunate to come and join Flying Futures, where they've been involved, and interestingly, they were one of the organisations that you know, way back, were in the supply chain where I, where I sort of was commissioning them to to deliver NCS as well. So, I've known Flying Futures for a long time, and they've always been involved in NCS uh, in this region. Uh, and so, having relocated and sort of come into this role, it's exciting to kind of you know see what we can do at a, a more local level rather than a sort of larger scale Superb. national program. Superb. And off camera, you told me a bit about how Flying Futures came about. I think people at home find that really interesting. Do you want to? Yeah, so it's interesting. So initially, the organisation um, was a was a sort of um, an organisation that was set up by a local authority in Doncaster, um, with a view to drawing in uh, additional funding to support its Positive Futures program at the time. Um, and uh, obviously, local authorities weren't able to kind of bid in for certain sort of charity and grants and things. Mm. Um, and so they set up a, a separate CIC. Um, and then uh, a couple of years into that, uh, that. Um, the decision was made to sort of spin it off um, and it was at that stage that they picked up the NCS contract and, and have really, um, they're, they're an example of how an organisation can grow um, and develop uh, its infrastructure and capability off the back of a large contract or large programme like NCS um, and it's allowed them to kind of grow from you know, a turnover of sort of five, ten thousand pounds to you know, one point five, one point six million, wow. which is what, which is what we are today. That's amazing. That's amazing. So, your previous organisation, Catch Twenty Two. Yeah. Tell us a little bit about what your role looked like there. Yeah. So, um, originally, um, before I started uh, on the NCS work, uh, I was very much involved in a in a local part- young people's participation program. We delivered um, holiday programs. 
uh, leadership courses um, involved in regeneration of uh, an area, if you like, um, and then moved into the NCS world. Uh, and also, I guess, um, having kind of oversight of um, larger national programmes. So there were other national programmes that I was involved with at the time. Um, and then during the course of NCS kind of growth, um, being, being over, um, overseeing kind of six or seven contracts um, to deliver NCS in uh, lots of different regions uh, and in lots of different ways really. We've, we've had a couple of uh, periods where we were in different partnerships and some interesting ones with kind of private sector mm-hmm. organisations, uh, learnt lots as an individual and as an organisation um, and then I guess the other bit to say in terms of kind of personal experience along the way uh, had a time looking at um, our education services with Catch-22 uh, and also towards the end also been involved in the employability um, contracts that they ran. So um, I felt very fortunate and privileged to uh, you know, have that experience and, and sort of grow and then be able to bring all of that um, experience from a larger organisation mm-hmm. into a smaller regional organisation um, and the challenge now is to sort of see how we develop and, and shore up our kind of delivery and quality um, to, to make sure that we're sustainable as we move forward. Yeah, fantastic. And you've been CEO since January. Yeah, just a new boy, me. Yeah, a new boy. Yeah. How, how's it working out? Uh, yeah, it's good. Uh, I think uh, things always uh, have a habit of kind of um, not necessarily working out exactly how you want them to. So um, I, I kind of came, uh, I don't know if I'm allowed to say this given I'm doing a bit of an interview on NCS, but I came with a view of trying to move away from NCS a little bit uh, and, and think more about leadership of an organisation. Yeah. Uh, and then quite quickly it was evident that I was going to have to be involved in you know more operational delivery during this summer just gone, uh, which I've done with the team here, which has been great fun. And it's really allowed me to, I think, you know, get back to the kind of roots of, of what delivery is all about and understand the challenges um, and also the kind of the highs of when we get it right yeah. um, that the, the teams face on a daily basis during kind of, you know, what is really hectic, you know, delivery of, of large programs. Yeah. yeah. So how have you been able to apply that kind of skill set experience that you that you bring from Catch-22 here over what is, I guess, the, the, the biggest sum of delivery that Flying Futures have had for NCS? Yeah, so we've taken away over a 1,000 young people this yeah. summer. Um, and I think um, probably, I guess, the, the thing that uh, I've learned over the kind of years of doing NCS and other work is, is around, you know, not panicking and looking ahead. Mm. Um, and I think that's probably helped here. So we've got a great team uh, on the ground, uh, really kind of um, talented and uh, enthusiastic individuals who... Mm got a real passion for the work and for the young people and for the area and I think what I've been able to bring is is, is a maybe a more balanced kind of view of, of how to um, work as a team mm. uh, so I think we've been uh, probably a bit more transparent and a bit more together mm. in our approach mm. with dealing with things mm. um, when you're taking away when you're taking away a thousand young people uh, and you're dealing with you know a thousand sets of parents or guardians and you've got all the coach um, logistics of it and the residential providers stuff goes wrong mm-hmm. uh, it's never intentional mm-hmm. it's never what you want to happen mm-hmm. uh, but actually the, the thing that makes a big difference is how well you can deal with those uh, incidents when they go wrong and so I think just having a bit of experience about that and not and not panicking when you know the coach doesn't turn up and being able to say do you know what um, that young person needs a bit of extra support let's put someone else in there and yeah. move, move the resources around a little bit I think you know that that's helped us to kind of shore up any mm-hmm. kind of wobbles that we might have had yeah great and can you tell the listeners a little bit about how your kind of structuring works here within the organization and the different teams you have you, you gave us a fantastic uh, tour of the what is a great venue here for your team 
Yeah, so we've got, um, if if we're just talking kind of NCS really, um, although we've got other kind of programs that, that we deliver as well, but in terms of NCS, we have our... Um, we have a team that is very much about recruitment, uh, going out into the schools, generating interest. Um, they do a lot of work in um, in kind of like the off season, if you will, uh, in terms of developing relationships with teachers and uh, making sure that we've got the best access to kind of young people through the mainstream schools. Um, they also work um, at working with and identifying other opportunities to engage with young people that maybe aren't in um, the traditional kind of mainstream education. So whether that's pupil referral units or homeschool students. Uh, people that are looked after for example so we make sure that we try and get a kind of broad range um, of access to young people and then once they've kind of generated an interest um, we we collect all the young people's kind of information and it comes back here to our contact center uh, and we've got a contact center team that then are kind of charged with making contact with those young people and their parents and guardians making sure that they understand about the opportunity of taking part in NCS uh, supporting them to reassure them if they've got concerns about you know why they might not want to take part in the program and then uh, hopefully the, the the aim is that those young people will sign up to the um, to the NCS program and then uh, we also then have a, a, a sort of team within that contact center that works solely on uh, keeping in touch with those young people okay. from when they sign up through to when they come and get on the how, on the how does that look staying in touch what does that so, comprise of we do a variety of things. Um, so when they sign up, they get uh, uh, an email from us uh, just to kind of introduce us and who we are. Um, and then we do kind of monthly updates to that kind of uh, email um, kind of push. Yeah. Uh, we've also got um, obviously our website and, and people can kind of come on uh, and see what we're doing. And then as as we move closer towards the program uh, starting, mm-hmm. uh, those young people get kind of access to their own kind of pages. So depending on what wave they're going on, They'll, they'll get a, a kind of QR code and then they can kind of look and uh, kind of takes them to the, the specific details around what time their coach is leaving, what the location is, if they've got a different kit list because they're going to kind of to France compared to going on our kind of survival program, that kind of thing. Sure, so yeah. we start to, we, we start off kind of general with yeah. making sure everyone's kind of happy and, and understanding it and then we kind of hone in with the specific details as we get closer to, to kick off. Tailoring it to everyone's kind of specific journey there. About yeah, yeah, absolutely. And then, of course, the other thing that we do is, you know, we, we do kind of work with young people uh, to understand if there's any additional needs. So it may well be that um, our safeguarding team will go out uh, and, and do specific conversations with parents and guardians and individual young people um, if there's any specific support packages that we need to put in place or work with them to develop a care plan mm-hmm. to make sure that the young people feel kind of secure and safe to come on programme. Fantastic. And uh, how's how's this summer gone for you? Uh, <clears throat> it would be fair to say uh, it's uh, it's had some ups and downs. <laughs> I think uh, the reality is that uh, it's been amazing. We've had a we've had a fantastic uh, sense of achievement getting to the end of the program with so many young people having gone through uh, having gone through the program and achieved uh, so much and gone on those kind of personal journeys that you know is really what NCS is about. Um, from an organisational point of view, I think we've uh, I think we've developed a lot during the summer, um, but but also you know we are a, a learning organisation. I know it's a bit of a cliche, but you know we're now at this point where we're sort of thinking right, what would we do to make it better? You know, what didn't work? What did work? Let's do more of that. Um, so I think we've had a we've had a great opportunity with a new leadership team in place yeah. uh, to really think about right. We've got the basics, but now let's really kind of push on. 
um, and get us to a place where you know we can we can really be excellent at this. Mm. What's the advantages then of you coming in new and your kind of observations over <coughs> the first experience of flying futures summer delivery? Yeah, I think if if I'm really honest, I think the observations that that I've got uh, are not unique, and mm. it, and it isn't in one sense it's not kind of rocket science, but I think because the organization's never had a, a CEO before or never had that kind of consistent leadership role within the organization, it's always been through um, kind of executive directors who aren't necessarily in the business on a day-to-day basis. I think what the, the staff team now have is a is a better route to uh, leadership and, yeah. and management to, to actually be able to make the decisions quicker. Mm. So we, we've been able to kind of react to things where, um, you know, we wanted to kind of make improvements or we wanted to kind of ensure that actually this is working really well, can we do this everywhere? Mm. Um, and, I, and I think it's just been a little bit more agile uh, and reactive. But I think my... Um, the, the other benefit, of course, is is the scale. So mm. having kind of worked on um, delivery of sort of over 5,000 places of NCS yeah. a summer, to come in and sort of be confident to say, mm. do you know what, this is this is okay, we can really do this and we can yeah. really push on. Um, and taking 1,000 young people away has, has, you know, gone relatively smoothly. Yeah. Um, and, uh, you know, where the incidents have, have occurred, as you would expect, uh, we've dealt with them professionally, quickly, uh, managed them very, very well to the satisfaction of young people, parents, providers, uh, staff, etc. So um, it's been, I think we've got, we've got a really broad sense of um, sort of skill set that's needed to deliver the program. Um, yeah. And I think that's, that's been a real positive. Great. And with the staffing as well, any, any observations around the way staff are recruited here? Any differences in the models or is it, is it all quite similar? So, yeah, I think, it's, I think it's relatively similar. I think the one thing that you would say is that, you know, there's, it's really interesting because um, people that aren't in NCS um, but maybe are in kind of recruitment, um, they, they, tend to, they tend to sort of think that one of the problems with NCS recruitment is it tends to be uh, to a point last minute. Uh, and there's an argument that says if you if you recruit earlier, you'll be in a better position. Mm. Um, but the reality is it's very difficult to recruit earlier because mm. by the nature of the people that are going to come and work for you, predominantly students or, yeah, you know, people that have got sort of flexible um, working arrangements, mm. you know, they don't tend to be looking for jobs in kind of September for the following, you know, May, June. Sure, yeah. um, and so I think I think there's definitely kind of pressure mm. on organisations mm. um, for how you kind of manage the, the intake, if you like, and the yeah. onboarding of, of staff. But... Um, I don't think it's something that has has caused us a, a problem massively. Mm. Would we do things differently? Of course we would, but I think that's more about our systems and processes yeah, and yeah. being able to kind of digitalize things as we yeah, go. Sure. And, and I think that's probably also kind of where I can add value, having come from a larger organization to understand how, how maybe we can do some shortcuts and not be quite so mm. um, long-winded in our, in our processes, really. Mm-hmm. Um, and the, the team here, do any of the team members comprise of people who have maybe been through NCS or seasonal staff? Yeah, so we, we've, uh, we've, we've, got that, uh, we've got an absolute flavour of homegrown talent oh, in the organisation. It's one of the things that's uh, exceptional yeah. uh, about Flying Futures. Um, you know, when I gave you the tour, you know, the guys that you saw upstairs, um, they've been around, they've delivered, they've been, you know, seasonal workers, they're now full-time workers, they're developing their management skills, taking on bigger programs, um, and, and they've really got a, a, a thirst for making a difference because mm-hmm. they can see the value that it's had on their lives and they want to make sure that that happens kind of elsewhere, so... Mm-hmm. In many senses, if I'm honest, you probably should be doing the interviews with them yeah. rather than with me. Um, you know, their sort of experiences and stories are, are fantastic. Yeah, great to hear, great to hear. And uh, in terms of recruitment of uh, seasonal staff, you've obviously um, 
met lots of seasonal staff across yeah. the years. Yeah. You know, what what do you think makes an exceptional uh, staff member on delivery? Yeah, it's 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 really interesting. Um, I remember having a, a conversation with a previous team about you know what 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 do we want from people that come and work mm. on NCS, um, and and yeah we want passion and we want energy and we want the ability to engage with young people, mm. um, but what we also want is we want people to be authentic. Mm. Um, this is about uh, this is about young people getting to know other young people, but also adults. Mm. And actually, when you think about who our staff are. Mm they're potentially still young adults. Yeah, you know, yeah. a lot of them are, are below 25. Yeah, yeah. Um, and so the experiences that they have and that we have um, are, are really valuable to kind of pass on. Mm. But you need them to be authentic. You need them to be comfortable in coming into work and being who they are. Because yeah. uh, actually, that's part of being a role model for the young people mm. to be confident to be who they want to be as well. Mm, mm, great. And are you highlighting opportunities to those seasonal staff as they're working for you? I presume you're, you're increasing the amount of full-time roles you Am, am I trying to poach the best ones? Is yeah, that what yeah, you're saying? Yeah, yeah, of course I am, yeah. <laughs> um, yeah, it's, it's really important, isn't it, that we, we're always kind of looking at um, who's coming through the door next. Yeah. One, of the, uh, one of the challenges is, uh, and I think people kind of know this, is that NCS is, I call it a hungry beast. You know, mm. you, you keep feeding it and it just wants more and it wants yeah, more. Yeah. And, and there is, to a certain extent, there's a, there's a cycle of it. You know, you're only going to want to be out um, on the delivery kind of cold face for so long. Mm. And actually, then you might want to kind of move on or go in to do something else. Sure. And I think NCS for staff is a great grounding and it gives them a lot of um, opportunity to think about where they want to really put their uh, time and efforts in their in their kind of future careers so there's always opportunity for the next uh, kind of group of people to be coming through um, and I think if you can I mean who, who wouldn't want to kind of road test their staff before they kind of take them on full time it's, yeah. a, it's a great way to kind of you know manage the expectation and, yeah. and sort of risk of bringing in new people to an organization so is that something you embrace here at flying futures enabling staff to get to kind of sample the different areas of work available yeah and i think uh, probably from my um people that have worked with me previously i think one of the things that you know let's be honest i don't work with young people directly mm. but i love the personal social development of mm. people mm. um and so the way that i get to do that uh, in my role is to develop my staff team yeah. uh, and i think enabling them to kind of go in the route and the direction that they want to go in is is part of that um i was having a conversation earlier about uh, with one of my managers you know saying if if they work with x number of young people they'll make that kind of an impact but yeah. if they work with 10 people who are working with 10 young people all of a sudden they're impacting on 100 young people's lives and yeah. i think that's kind of you know where where we need to go and that's mm -hmm. the both the responsibility and the privilege of, of management and leadership in organizations really yeah the kind of knowledge and impact of uh of that being passed down and flowing through absolutely to the actual service users that's yeah. great so um in terms of uh, employees for your organisation, um, what 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 do you think the future holds? You know, are you going to increase massively as an organisation? Yeah, it's interesting, isn't it? When when you bring in uh, a new kind of uh, person in leadership role in an organisation, there's uh, there's that instant "do we go for growth?" Mm. Uh, question. And I think the reality is um, all organisations need to move forward, mm. uh, and and in in a lot of cases that is about kind of growth. I think um, from an organisational perspective, and I think this applies to many uh, organisations that are in the NCS kind of ecosystem, mm -hmm. um, NCS, you can become too uh, reliant on NCS and NCS becomes too reliant on the organisation. Yeah. So the challenge that we have as an organisation, and it's the challenge that excited me about coming into a leadership role within it, uh, is very much about how do we um, 
it's a bit of a cliche, but how do we diversify our income streams yeah, to make yeah. sure that we're not overly reliant yeah. on NCS and likewise that the core costs of an organization are not overly reliant on the income from NCS mm. because where that happens, um, what, what tends to be the case is that you then end up having to take more out of the contract to prop up the organization yeah. and that can affect your ability to deliver a quality program. Mm. So, there, we, you know, we all need to be aware uh, of whatever what is the unique size mm. for an organization mm. uh, to be able to grow to yeah. just using NCS uh, and how does growing with other uh, income streams and delivery arms allow you to, to grow NCS but not detract from the quality. Mm. Um, and also, you know, we all want to be able to lose a, a contract and still be here delivering mm. um, because we don't know what the future holds for, you know, the sector and, and the work that's just around the corner. Mm. Mm. And how are you finding the, the current process? I know when we spoke off, off camera that you'd been along to some road shows and the information's coming through well. <laughs> yeah, I think um, I think everything needs to kind of evolve. I think, you know, there's a, there's a drive from uh, government to reduce the, the kind of price point for NCS. I think that's right and proper. Yeah. I think there's a, a variety of ways to do that. And mm -hmm. I think that, you know, the NCS trust in their, in their kind of vision uh, for 2.0, um, it looks like they're, you know, they're taking some steps in that direction. They're looking to kind of test some things. Mm. Um, they're looking to maybe consider how the, uh, the residential element looks different. Mm. Um, and I think all of those things are really useful, helpful. Yeah. Um, I think as an organization that sits in that kind of supply chain of those sort of um, contracts for the future, I think we need to be um, very aware mm. uh, and uh, nimble in response to what's mm. coming through the door. Mm. Um, arguably, um, as, a, as a result of some of those decisions, it will affect the income streams into the organization, mm. uh, and therefore we'll need to kind of understand what that looks like mm -hmm. uh, and how we need to adapt and, and change. But ultimately, um, you know, the, the great news is that NCS is, you know, is, is still kind of developing, is still moving forward and is still growing, mm. and, and we're excited to be part of that. Yeah, fantastic. And uh, in terms of innovation and, and trialling new approaches, maybe <coughs> to your own delivery internally, yeah. whether that be using different providers or, or, or different models of the programme, and there's different uh, pilots around the country yeah. at the moment. You know, how how much do you do you do you embrace that in terms of uh, are there many changes happened since you've you've been here or you introduced any <coughs> specific changes? So no, I think um, I think what I would say to start with is I think that Flying Futures is known for its innovation. Mm. Uh, I think you know uh, the sort of founders and the, and the executive directors that are involved are very much at the forefront of trying to do things differently. Whether that's uh, kind of in in terms of the kind of partnership work that we do in terms of developing and designing um, products and programs. Mm -hmm. um, but but I think since I've come in, I think it's been very much about steadying the ship. Yeah. Um, I think moving forward, I think um, the innovation, there's, there's sort of two strands really. I think I want to innovate internally yeah. in terms of our systems and, mm -hmm. and processes and how do we do things. Um, it's, it's a really boring but interesting um, element around when an organization grows from you know, the size of sort of 15, 20,000 to a 1.5 million, you know, mm. those growing pains mm. in the HR systems, in the mm. finance processes, you know, they all need to be solved before you can kind of push on again. Mm. Um, so that's kind of where we are internally. Uh, but in terms of innovating in the, in the sort of design of the program, I think we've been one of the leaders in terms of, you know, we take um, probably about 40% of our young people go to France oh, wow. um, as part of their uh, phase one experience. Amazing. I think that's been... Uh, something that not not many organizations have done we've had a lot of success we've worked with some uh, kind of key outdoor providers mm -hmm. um, we're working with um, a couple of providers to specifically develop um, you know other concepts that we might be able to kind of roll out in the mm -hmm. future mm -hmm. uh, we've got a 
sister CIC that has a, a, a residential site in uh, the local South Yorkshire area. Uh, we're looking at how we, again, develop the, the content of that program to kind of fit with the aspiration of bringing the price point down but maintaining quality innovation. Um, so I think, you know, there's there's lots that we're doing mm-hmm. to try to kind of keep ourselves at the forefront of uh, the, the market in terms of being a, a solid provider mm-hmm. but also increasing the quality and experience mm-hmm. that, that young people have. Yeah, amazing. And how did uh, France come about as a, the phase one? Well, I think it's... Um, I think it's about one of the challenges that we have uh, in one of our contracts, well, two of our contracts, actually, is we do the recruitment to mm-hmm. the program. And uh, when we sat down and started to develop what that proposition looked like um, to young people, it was how do we make it more attractive for young people to sign up to the mm-hmm. program? Mm-hmm. The, the difficulty that you have with NCS, and this is my this is my kind of, you know, Duncan Pierce view on things, really, that I've, I've had for a, a while, is that it is, it is all based on experiential learning. Mm-hmm. So mm-hmm. the reality is you don't see the value until you've gone through it. Sure. So therefore, actually, when you stand up in front of a group of young people, you can't sell the actual value because yeah. they won't recognize it until they've had that experience. Mm-hmm. Um, so therefore, you've got to hook them somewhere else. Yeah. You know, you've got to say, look, this is an opportunity. Come and do this. And by the way, you'll have an amazing experience as well. Yeah. Um, and, and that's kind of really where it came from. Mm-hmm. It was a case of, can, can we do this to kind of open up um, opportunities? Uh, for young people and, and we, you know we, we are in in some cases working in sort of deprived areas and sure, yeah. there's areas where young people wouldn't naturally kind of jump on a coach mm. go down to Calais mm. uh, sorry go down to Dover and jump across mm. to Calais and, mm. and sort of have that kind of uh, European experience really mm. so um, you know it, it, there's a combination of things yeah. but it's about trying to keep ourselves appealing to young people yeah. So does that pose any extra challenges taking young people overseas and supporting them through that? Is that? Yeah, it does. Um, I mean, obviously, you've got the operational mm-hmm. uh, risks that are associated with kind of further travel, longer yeah. distances on the coach, all of those kind of things. And, you know, we've had some interesting things uh, this summer that I probably probably won't share on on, uh, on here. But but they're all they're all um, challenges that we can overcome. And the organizations that we work with are, you know, really reputable. They've got great, um, great quality staff, great quality kind of processes in place. So once again, you know, whenever things come up, they're dealt with properly, proficiently, mm. um, and, and actually, you know, they add to the experience. So yeah. we had a we had a coach that was impounded um, on the way back uh, this this summer. Customs just sort of took them to the side, and, and actually, the experience that the group had in terms of kind of delayed transport, having to go on as foot passengers, you know, those are all things that kind of happen in life. And yeah. and actually, you sort of think, do you know what? That's that's part of yeah. being real. You yeah. know, that's understanding. Yeah. That's yeah. being able to adapt. That's you know, keeping everyone happy. Bit of team bonding. Yeah. Arguably, they did say you could cancel the high ropes, but that was the best yeah. team bonding that we did. Was sat in the car park waiting to get on the yeah. ferry. You know, yeah. so I, I think as long as you've got the right um, the right approach, you know, those sorts of experiences are, are, are magic. Really. Yeah. And now they're kind of lifelong memories. Those young people are going to have exactly. Yeah. They're going to share them for you know with their kids. Hopefully, yeah. yeah I'm definitely. sure you witnessed them at your graduate absolutely yeah and and again i think that's the other thing isn't it is that you know when you're in it and you're in the thick of it you can't necessarily see the impact Mm. but when you do take a minute and you pause and you go around to the different graduations and that young person tells a story or the staff member tells a story or even better a parent comes up to you afterwards and tells you a story um you know it's it's just fantastic and it and it's worth all of that kind of effort and energy that goes into it yeah so how do you as an organization and professionals within reflect on the summer and and the performance you've had yeah so we have a we have a couple of approaches really um 
I'm a big fan of the egg timer uh, okay. review, if I'm honest, because uh, I kind of think, you know, we are we are good at what we're doing, yeah. uh, and by definition, we therefore know what we're not good at. Mm. Um, and so if you just turn an egg timer and say, right, you've got three minutes to say all the areas that you need to review yeah. uh, and, and improve on, the chances are, after you spent a couple of days reviewing, they'll probably match. Yeah. Um, so we do, we do break it down a little bit. So we do some very quick um, exercises where we... Um, we do just literally take the kind of highlights and think, right, what are the areas that we do need to think about? Uh, we have a learning log during the summer. So at any point that something doesn't go to plan uh, or we think actually that really works, uh, we'll put that on the learning log. And then what we've done is we go through um, we go through and we group those um, kind of suggestions. Uh, so there might be stuff that are all related to kind of staffing or it might be around program design or logistics. And then what we've got is we've got a series of um, short kind of one-hour workshops where we hone in on those different subject matters um, and we invite all the different staff to feed into that, um, both during the summer as part of the learning log uh, and then also uh, they can kind of either come to or feed into the discussions uh, around the different kind of subjects. And then we'll take from that and we'll put that into a, a development plan uh, and, and with some milestones to say, right, okay, these were the three things that we said we needed to improve on in relation to staffing. This is how we're going to do them. These are the things we need to put in place and by when, um, and this is who's accountable. So probably by the end of September, we've gone through that process and then we'll have a, a, a really decent sort of development plan to be working towards in line with what our um, primes want for next year's delivery. Yeah, that sounds great. That sounds great. So very, really detailed everyone's on board with it and uh, accountability as well there yeah and i think the thing the thing that i think is useful is not trying to do it all in one big go mm. so we don't go away and lock ourselves in a room for three days mm. and say right let's just review and get it out of the way we take our time we break into small bits we allow everyone to have their say mm. and then we kind of take from it mm. um, so there's no right or wrong there's no um there's no silly kind of comments mm. uh, it's it's all things that we'll consider uh, digest uh, and then the other thing which <laughs> I think I think we have to be realistic in that we can't do everything that we want to do. Mm. Um, either the contract doesn't allow it, the time doesn't allow it, the resource doesn't allow it. So we then look at it and we say, right, what are the things that are going to make the biggest impact? Yeah. Uh, let's do them, mm. uh, and then you know let's do the next bit the following year. Or so you can't you can't solve everything. Um, you have to understand the priorities. Mm-hmm. And how do you communicate with all of these staff you have? You have. 30 full-time staff so yeah we have about sort of um 25 to 30 full-time uh staff throughout the year and then um for the summer we took on about 150 seasonal staff um so we have a variety of means um so i do the obligatory kind of monthly update um out via email uh but we we also have um have kind of group sessions where we bring um kind of the middle leadership together uh we do uh whole staff kind of uh, away days and things like that um, and and to be honest, the best the best thing is just about having an open door, um, and you know staff are in and out. I make sure I go upstairs and, and talk to the staff and road test ideas. Um, I, I started doing a very cheesy thing, dinner with dunk, so people come down, eat a sandwich, have a cup of tea, and we just chat through uh, the things that are, uh, are kind of in the front of our minds. And don't, no, no agenda, no fixed kind of outcomes. Just let's talk about how things are going. Yeah. Um, and I think you know dialogue and open and, and sort of transparent dialogue is, yeah. is crucial, really. Yeah, that, that's really great that you're offering that as a CEO. I think I think uh, Niall, who's on the equipment, would appreciate that the kind of Gary V approach to being a that's CEO right. and listening to the, <laughs> the employees and their input. So yeah. that's that's really great. So in terms of your, uh, your your programs and the expansion that you've had year on year, how do you go about sourcing all of the different providers? We know now with with so many um, programs running around the country, it's becoming a bit. Um, <clears throat> 
you know, sparse in places that with with actual residential centres and so on. Yeah, and I think that's why I think that's why we've sort of taken the view that we need to be a bit innovative, and mm. and hence the kind of conversations about going you know going overseas to France is mm. that doable? Mm. Um, we're also working with uh, a provider, um, Sports Leisure Travel, who are really keen to excuse me to provide. Um, opportunities to think differently about how we can kind of deliver the program so we're working with them on kind of um trying to open up sites that haven't been used before um or that have been used uh, for for other kind of similar programs but not ncs i know there's a few of them around at the moment but uh we're having some we're having some good good kind of talks there mm. um and then we're like i say we've got a, a site in uh, in south yorkshire that we're uh looking to develop and have used for the last couple of years as a residential site and looking at how we can expand and develop on that um so we're, we're quite keen to kind of try and own some of that ourselves mm. i think as an organization if you've got control of that element of the program i think you can influence the quality and experience mm. uh, i think one of the challenges uh is is where the experience of phase one uh is given to you by your prime mm. and it's great if it goes well yeah uh, but it's much harder to kind of deal with if things aren't right yeah. if the food's not right and those are all the things that you know, I know, I know. It seems very trivial um, when we sort of sit here and talk about that. But if those things aren't in place, that the the motivation and the experience that the young people kind of have uh, can be affected. Mm. Um, so I think the more control that you have mm. um, on those elements of the program, you know, the, the the better it is. And and you know, let's not hide anything that financially, um, if we're not paying someone else to to deliver that bit of the program, but we're paying ourselves. Uh, and that's developing an asset mm. base that we might have for the future and we can use year-round for other things. Mm. Um, from a sort of commercial um, point of view, that that's, makes more sense as well. So mm. we're definitely in the place where we're exploring those sorts of things. Mm. And how are your Phase 2s looking at the moment? Yeah, uh, Phase 2s, um, we've got some great relationships and uh, partners uh, with uh sort of universities and, and schools locally where we use the accommodation and uh, develop that and I think the thing uh, one of the things that on our egg timer challenge we, we looked at this year is we, we definitely want to develop our phase two program mm, yeah. uh, the program content and I think uh, again there's certain things that we maybe didn't help ourselves with uh, we had sort of four or five different venues that we used for phase two I think that that spreads our leadership and and sort of experienced staff mm, more thinly mm, than it mm. needs to so we're looking to try to kind of bring that back together uh, in the future there's obviously risk with that because you're talking about having bigger groups then uh, on the same site but I think it allows us to kind of manage and and, and have a, a, a sort of stronger program mm. um you know, we, we, we do use external providers and we're asking them to travel around Yorkshire to five yeah. or six different sites, um, you know, if there's traffic and they don't know where they go in and they're in a different classroom every time. Whereas actually if we can develop a kind of more central site where they all come to the same time every week for the, you know, the duration of the programme, that they'll be um, better at their delivery and therefore, you know, the young people will get a better experience. And then I think the other thing is, um, you know, it's this kind of tension between do we deliver the programme ourselves and therefore that's putting more on our internal staff mm. and seasonal staff to be able to do that or do we do we sort of spend the the, the sort of resources on bringing in external people uh, that we know maybe um, kind of can bring a bigger box of tricks but mm. at, at an expense that maybe takes a hit on other elements of the program so I think looking at that and getting the balance mm. is um, something that we need to do and our um our sort of aspiration over the next sort of couple of months is to work with a group of graduates to um, to really kind of hone in on on what they think and what their experiences were, uh, what are the bits that they think we shouldn't change, and, and what are the bits that maybe didn't work for them. So, yeah. again, I think that's something that we're we're keen to sort of try and try and do and get a real kind of youth led program design piece going.
yeah fantastic to, to kind of support I guess the content scores and that that you're receiving from yeah absolutely and again it's it's kind of difficult because you know as much we want it to be all about the kind of quality and um you know there's such a massive emphasis on numbers mm, early yeah, on in course, the yeah, in the build-up to yeah. ncs delivery mm. um that sometimes you know you have to think actually it's not all about getting bums on seats we have to deliver a really high quality program mm, as well mm, mm. um and i think you know we've just taken a view to to restructure a little bit change some of our accountability so we've got a very specific staffing theme uh member of staff uh the same for program uh and then you know obviously we've got our recruitment and sales as well but but that program uh role is crucial um you know we've got to be engaging we've got to be challenging we've got to be new and innovative um so that young people genuinely do buy into the the phase two part of the program Mm -hmm. and often off air and on air you've you've really spoken about the quality of the program and how important it is to to maintain that and i hear what you're saying at times it can definitely be a bit of a balancing act between that recruiting young people to the program ensuring that they're going to get the best possible experience from you yeah and i think i think probably an area where i feel that there's um, more that can be done and it's why i think program talks is going to add so much to the to the kind of network of of providers really but i think you know where things work really well we should be kind of sharing that and we should be open and transparent to actually this this workshop really works well you can lead it with your own staff the resources are really cheap um but actually the content is really rich Mm. um and i think that's where probably um organizations that are just doing kind of small numbers and haven't got resources mm. throughout the year mm. to, to be developing the program mm. uh, can, can really value from the kind of you know the, the open partnership that mm. I know program talks is hoping mm. to promote yeah definitely it's all about capturing the best practice which is happening out there and yeah. uh, encouraging providers to to well, not just speak more but to learn from one another as well so um, yeah what what we're um, really hoping to also capture is how you as an organization engage parents and guardians is there anything uh, unique that you maybe do there <clears throat> Yeah, I, I'm fairly certain it's not unique. Um, <laughs> but but what I would say is I'm also fairly certain that it's uh, it's really important that we do it and we do it well. Um, so I think there's a couple of things. I think our biggest assets to recruitment are the parents mm-hmm. uh, and guardians. Uh, and I think it's really important that they understand what the program is about and that it isn't just uh, their son or daughters going on a, on a jolly. Mm. Um, so we do, we do um, par- parents' evenings or, or sort of open nights uh, where we would expect young people and parents to come together mm. um, once they've signed up to, to really kind of understand what the expectations are of the programme and that it isn't just about, you know, one week away doing activities, but there's a there's a whole series of um, uh, commitments that need to be yeah. fulfilled all the way through. Um, and I think that's kind of crucial because if you don't get the um, the parents backing and they don't understand the vision of it, mm. then actually they miss the opportunity to sell it to their young person mm. and to see the value in it. Mm. Um and and the one person who's going to get them out of bed on the first morning to get into the car to come down and to get onto a bus with people they don't know is going to be the parent or guardian. Mm. So if they don't understand and don't buy into it, then we're missing a trick, basically. Mm. So we do the parents' evenings, and then all of the communication that goes out to young people is duplicated to the parent or guardian. Uh, we'll we'll obviously sort of um, change it up so it's in slightly different language. Yeah, course, and, yeah. um, and then the other thing is about making sure that the, the key details, uh, so time and place and expectations... Uh, absolutely clear right from the outset so that there's no kind of 
um, point where young pe person or parent are phoning up and saying, "Oh, we don't know what's happening. Where you know, where do we go?" Because ultimately, those young people are coming away with us as an organisation. Mm. We're going to be looking after them, mm. um, and you know, the young people are the parents' most prized possessions. So, mm. of course, they want to know and be reassured that you know we know what we're doing and that everything is in place uh, for for their child to have a, a really good experience. Mm. And you have. Uh parents and uh, guardians attend your graduation events we do yeah we do and uh, and and what's really nice is when we get um when we get parents and guardians kind of taking the time to actually talk to us and, and you know sometimes drop us an email or or even pick the phone up and just sort of say actually can i just say the difference that you've made to the young person you know in our household is incredible um and we do we do get that and it and it is genuinely kind of you know um what what we're here for you know we want to we want to hear the, the outcome of the journey that those young people have come on, but not just from the young person's point of view, from the parents' and family's point of view as well. Mm, great. And uh, looking at partnerships and uh, working with the community, is there anything that you've kind of witnessed here at Flying Futures in terms of localised partnerships that you think are particularly strong ones and, and maybe why that, that there's such strong relationships? Yeah, I think um, so. We've got. I think it's uh, it's an interesting one for for us because I think we've we've kind of gone. Uh, we've had some strong partnerships, and then uh, maybe through kind of people leaving and, and whatever that um, those those relationships kind of break down, and then you have to build them back mm -hmm. up again. But in doing so, you find different organisations to mm -hmm. work with. Mm -hmm. um, so I think the thing for me is that when we're looking at working with partners from the community, uh, it's really important that you give them the time and the energy that they deserve mm -hmm. early on. And that you're not just knocking on the door kind of in July saying we've got a group of youngsters that want to come in and develop, um, you know, a project. You need to be talking to them kind of, you know, from Christmas. You need to be meeting with them on a regular basis, talking to them about how their organisation can benefit, uh, but also what their organisation can, can put into the relationship. And I think where you do that, that's where you get the, the, the sort of strong partnerships that um, add value and, and really kind of raise the, um, the output, if you like, or, or the outcomes of the, um, the work that the young people are able to do. Mm -hmm. So, you know, typically um, organisations like uh, residential care homes are, are fantastic because they've got a, a, a ready-made kind of audience of beneficiaries. Mm -hmm. um, largely, it's a, it's, a, it's a sort of cohort that the young people wouldn't ordinarily interact with. Mm -hmm. um, and, and actually, there's always opportunity to do something either inside or outside in the grounds. Um, and and, and all, everybody at the end of those sorts of partnerships just really value mm. each other mm. more mm. Um, as a result of taking time to get to know um, each other. And if you think about the principles of NCS, it's about that kind of cohesive society. Mm. And, you know, young people having an appreciation for older people and vice versa is, is a massive part mm. of that. Mm. Um, but then, you know, there are other cohorts in um, in the communities that really kind of benefit. There's been a there's been a massive kind of um, not not kind of push, but there's been homelessness has been a big issue this yeah. this year um, with the with the young people kind of recognising it uh, in their communities and, and wanting to kind of understand more and learn how to help, um, as well as the kind of mental health issues, mm. um, which seem to be kind of more and more yeah, prevalent among definitely. young people and communities. Um, so it's it's been. Um, it's been fascinating to see the different um, directions that the social action projects have, have gone, um, and I think the there is um, that there's no lack of value um, in terms of putting the energy into those relationships ahead of time. Mm -hmm. And I think for any organisation that's looking at kind of what they can do, yes, we want young people to lead the concepts mm -hmm. and, and mm -hmm. whatever, mm -hmm. uh, but having open doors to push on will always add value to those young people's experience mm, mm, definitely and uh, yeah it can only but enrich 
the program by having all of these different stakeholders within the community um, involved. Yeah, absolutely. And, and the, the more businesses and, and um, organizations that understand about NCS, the more they'll kind of galvanize behind it, um, the more you'll then get kind of spin-offs um, throughout the year mm-hmm. to do other things. Um, you know, so yeah, I, I think it's uh, it's probably an area where we need to do more work. Mm. Um, and I think it's it's that thing, isn't it? Between you know, have we got enough numbers, or do we need to go and develop the relationships? Mm. We always end up pushing towards more numbers, mm. but but actually, um, they're equally as important. Mm. Mm. And do you guys have any kind of goals or targets that sit outside of the the norm um, that aren't necessarily around the numbers or or kind of participation throughout the whole program? <laughs> So I think uh, because of my newness to the organisation, I think there's an element of uh, I've probably got some which I'll, I'll happily talk about, but mm. um, they're probably not embedded yet. Sure. Uh, it's probably going to come as part of our uh, development uh, plan following on from this summer. Uh, but I, I think that we want to develop uh, a better through flow for our graduates mm. uh, and probably develop our um, percentage of graduates that are becoming our workforce yeah. uh, and probably the, the graduate strand as a whole is something where I think we need to kind of develop mm. and, and, and uh, create um, a stronger program, mm. uh, but also a program that works for the variety of young people that graduate. Yeah. And, and by that, I mean, it isn't just about, um, you know, young people who graduate coming back and doing X number of hours, because for some of those young people, that might not be what they want. Yeah. Um, but and, and it's really difficult, and I don't know how to do it, but one of the things that we want to be able to talk about is we want to be able to talk about in 10 years time speak to a young person and find out did they do NCS and as a result of NCS what did they do differently in their lives mm-hmm. um, and whether it's just the fact that uh, they now give blood uh, because yeah. they've learned how to move around in their yeah, community yeah, yeah, and yeah. understand what they do mm. that actually is them being an active mm. citizen mm. Um, we might not see it for the first yeah. two or three years because mm. they might move away from our mm. community mm. Um, be off university or, or whatever um, but it's the impact that we're going to have on those young people in 10 years' time. Are they going to be the ones that are coaching their youngsters at football? Yeah. Are they going to be the ones that are helping out at kind of Rainbows or yeah. Beavers or, or, or whatever it is that you know we need in our communities mm. to make the future generations mm. develop and grow and have the opportunities that you know we want everyone to have now? Yeah, that's a really good point. I think the only place I'm, I'm really capturing that at the moment is, is through LinkedIn requests from some of those young <laughs> people who are involved in 2012. Yeah. yeah. And yeah. have, have really gone on, and um, it's really hard to stay in touch and, and follow the the kind of progress those individuals have made from those early years. Yeah, and do you know what? It, it is it is genuinely really interesting that you talk about that because it's through social media only this week, um, and this is a, a personal thing really. But I, I I saw a highlight where a young person I worked with kind of ten years ago, mm. uh, she literally uh, spoke about the fact that she's just about to kind of reach her kind of goal mm. uh, because she started a teaching career this week yeah. um, and That's when great. you look at when you look at the kind of um, the route that that individual had to yeah. get to um, the, the where she is now um, y- you can only sort of think that some of the work that was done yeah. to offer those opportunities mm. that the individual took mm. uh, has, has helped to kind of you know shape and drive and motivate and, and increase the aspiration uh, of that individual and, and you know where's she going to be she's going to be in front of more young people mm. so it's yeah, you know it's, it's incredible but what's interesting and I think you know you've just sparked something in me really is that you know I only heard about it because of a tenuous link on social media yeah, yeah. and do you know what maybe there's something there about yeah. having to have a, a repository mm. for people you know having to check in in 10 years yeah you know yeah, let's have a 10-year check-in yeah um yeah. and just just 
you know, feed in mm. what you're doing. Mm. Yeah, I'm not sure if it is something that the NCS Trust are currently looking at in terms of the longer term, like the, the 10 years down the line. I know there's there's certainly lots of research and impact yeah. going on at the moment. Um, but yeah, interesting enough, we, we do have someone who's going to be coming on to Program Talks who, who kind of has a solution to that, to mm. monitoring the progress of people down the years. So it'd be, be interesting to see where, yeah. we, where we where we go with that i'll be interested to talk to them yeah yeah okay <laughs> great yeah i'll put you guys in touch definitely so whilst we're on the matter social media how, yes. how do you guys go about using that so uh we, we're fortunate we've got a, a great social media sort of marketing manager uh, in the organization uh and we've got a variety of expertise across the staff um I would suggest I'm probably not the strongest in the organization uh, and and it is genuinely areas where I think we all need to kind of improve and get better um, it, it is it is also kind of difficult because obviously you get the, the sort of resistance or, or um, making sure that we're kind of safe in how we do things mm-hmm. um, but I think that you know we push really hard uh, to, to get young people to kind of express who they are on social media through their own channels mm. um, but hopefully as part of that you know some of the um, work that they've been doing with us will come through that mm. and then we share you know as much as we can through our own channels Twitter um, Facebook etc so yeah and you've got you've certainly got a great website yeah we, we have and, and I think you know we're, we're looking to kind of learn and do more as we go um, and you know you maybe inspired me to do more of this kind of uh, blogging and podcast well, yeah, work. so you know this, I think yeah. there's, there's opportunities across the board really yeah yeah I hope this will serve you on your uh, your LinkedIn absolutely <laughs> <laughs> so um, as, a, as a team you you know 30 full-time staff are in the region with with lots of different seasonal staff you know, what, what do you do to kind of pick up motivation and uh, morale across those uh, across what can be quite busy intensive periods yeah i think um i think what's really interesting is i think we prepare for the busy periods yeah. and we and we recognize when we're not quite so busy and we make sure that we do um enjoy those moments as well um we've got a uh, we've got a staff uh, staff afternoon go-karting next oh, week great um where uh, we get to kind of go out and just just have a blast and just relax yeah. and, and obviously go for a few drinks afterwards yeah, yeah, and yeah chew the fat and uh, talk about who came last um <laughs> hopefully it won't be me um uh, but you know it is important i think it's uh, one of the things that i think uh, ncs allows is uh, as a real flexible kind of work style um so you know obviously during certain periods people have to do certain things but i i know for example that i'll be encouraging everybody to have you know proper length of time off yeah, um yeah. you know particularly kind of christmas that downtime yeah, uh, it's not that we close down, but we make sure that you know people have good rest periods, mm. um, and I think that allows you then, when you're in the busy periods, you can really kind of you know push on and know that yeah. you've got to get your head down and, and do the work. Um, and I think the other thing is we always try to recognise kind of individuals' own lifestyles as well. Mm, mm. Um, and by that I mean if you've got someone who's particularly interested in going off kind of travelling, you know, can we extend their uh, annual leave period? You know, if people are getting married, let's make sure that yeah. just because they work on NCS, yeah. let's make sure they can take the summer off and get yeah, married yeah, in the summer if they important. want to. Yeah. Um, you know, as much as as much as work is important, mm. we recognise family and home life is important as well. And mm. you know, I'm a big believer in that. Yeah, no, I agree definitely. And um, I think the uh, the NCS Trust also model that. I know they have lots of staff members there who like to go and volunteer overseas, yeah. and they seem to take those those longer periods off, which is which is great. Yeah, and I think you know the reality is it, it, it you know it's back to that kind of being authentically you, isn't it? And and you know when those staff members come back from those experiences, they're richer for it, more motivated, mm-hmm. able to share more with young people. Um, so everyone's a winner. So Duncan, we're now going to uh, turn attention to yourself and uh, and okay. find out. Do you have any uh, any morning routines that that kind of assist you? 
Uh, okay, that's interesting. Uh, so, oh, other than getting up and making my wife a cup of tea, which seems to be one that I can't get away from. Assisting other people. Yeah, that's right. Uh, so, it's interesting, actually. So, um, I've uh, since I've started at Flying Futures, I've recently uh, started doing uh, three mornings a week circuits before work, okay. uh, which is something that I was not able to kind of uh, afford easily in, in my other role because I was traveling a lot nationally and, yeah, yeah, and therefore not necessarily kind of consistent in my approach. So, um, having having said that, I haven't done it for a little while because I broke my big toe. But okay. I'm, I've literally just signed back up. <laughs> yeah. Um, so so I think uh, in terms of kind of morning rituals, something yeah. about kind of the the fitness side yeah, of things. Yeah. Excuse me, it's been a massive uh, kind of part of my kind of lifestyle change since mm. joining Flying mm. Futures. Um, and then uh, the other thing is uh, is making sure when I come in, I always have a cup of coffee as well. Yeah, that yeah. always helps. Yeah, that, that's been prevalent <laughs> across all of the interviews so yeah. far. The good yeah, old yeah, coffee, yeah. definitely. Yeah, that's right. Yeah. Um, and in terms of the downtimes, uh, we've we've spoken about how you ensure that your your staff team stay well motivated and energised. Mm-hmm. You know, yourself, you you've come in as a CEO uh, across yeah. an incredibly busy summer. Yeah. Um, you know, how, how do you how do you take care of yourself? Yeah, so I mean, I'm very, very fortunate. Obviously, I've got lots of good family and friends, and, and we we do book things in, so we've got things to kind of look forward to. Um, I'm really enjoying. Uh, I think the thing about coming into this role is genuinely, I'm travelling less. Yeah. Uh, so during the week, I'm at home every night. Uh, I know it sounds ridiculous, but I've I've started growing tomatoes during the summer because I'm there to water them in the evenings and that kind of thing. Um, so I think just having more time at home actually is looking after me yeah. um and there was a there was a point you know where i was sort of three four nights a week away in a travel lodge and yeah. you're not eating properly you're not doing your exercise um yeah. so i think the balance is is the key yeah yeah definitely yeah and um you know when you're uh, facing these different challenges and you know across the summer we know there's going to be things that arise that you're not anticipating yeah now, how do you go about um finding you know problem uh, solutions to your problems yeah, so I think um, it's interesting because I think I'm probably, uh, I would say, solution-focused is mm. one of my strengths. Yeah. Uh, I think I do genuinely try to kind of step back and look at things and think, right, you know, what what's the real issue here? Mm. And um, for me, one of my big... Uh, one of my big things is I like to sense check my decision making. Mm. Um, my wife says I procrastinate, but actually I like to think that I'm making sure I'm making the right decision before I fully commit. Uh, and I think the key to that is having good people around you. Yeah. Um, so, you know, I've got co- previous colleagues, got people in the organization, uh, my board, um, so my chair, my executive directors, um, you know, there's operational stuff going on and I'll just pick the phone up and I'll run it by them and I'll just say that this has happened. We've done this, this, is there anything else we're missing? Um, and, and just being really open and transparent. Mm, and mm. Um, the other thing that I would suggest, and, and I would genuinely say this with, you know, and I mean it significantly, um, working with our primes and, and being really open and transparent with our primes during busy yeah. delivery periods has enabled us to kind of really learn and enhance from their uh, experience. Um, so particularly kind of working with the challenge EFL and, you know, V Inspired this summer, mm. um, all of those organizations have been happy to help us uh, when we've needed it with mm. either additional stuff additional staff or uh, giving us suggestions of different things that we can do mm. or even just saying do you know what you're doing everything you can do um you know crack on yeah. um and i and I, I think that's been invaluable um to us as a smaller organization this mm. summer mm. that mentality of we're all in this together and we'll do anything to assist completely and, and not you know not shying away and not trying to cover up where things aren't going well mm. you know be really open because actually yeah. other people will have the solution and they'll be and they won't it won't be the first time things go wrong mm. uh, other people will have been through it and we'll be able mm. to share that uh, mm. experience so mm. I think that's a, that's a massive kind of part, you know, having good people around you and being very open and transparent yeah. um, with those good people. Yeah, great. 
And do you source any uh, inspiration? Do you get inspiration from any any different sources? Do you listen to any podcasts, books, uh, insights from mentors? <clears throat> do you know what? Uh, it's it's one of those things, isn't it? When you you either are or you aren't, and and uh, and, I, and I, I I love the idea of doing all that stuff. <laughs> yeah, uh, and and I don't. I do uh, I do try really hard. Uh, I've got a couple of friends uh, that I try really hard to have. Mm. Kind of you know one day a quarter where I go and I kind of almost use them as peer mentors yeah. uh, and, and they're really good at reading books yeah, so yeah. I ask them to tell me the best bits the best bits yeah, yeah. yeah. Uh, and then I might yeah. look up I yeah. might look up some of those yeah. um, the other thing that I've done which I think is uh, has been really useful uh, this year is I've uh, I've been part of the CLAW leadership um, which is social sector leadership okay. program uh, and again that's put me in touch with different people from different kind of um different social organizations yeah, yeah. Uh, and I think that's been useful because I've started to think differently about yeah. you know what networks I could draw on um, and again they do that good thing where they feed you good things to read yeah. um, so kind of you know shortcut my way to, to the kind of highlights really yeah learning from that network that's great yeah um, so <clears throat> bit of a bit of a, a random question here but we, we like to ask this on program talks um, if you had a time machine go back in time and you could speak <coughs> to your 16 year old self uh-huh. what advice might you give what you give him oh, do you know what 16 I was playing a lot of rugby drinking too much underage okay. um, yeah probably there's something around but, choices well, yeah okay um, <laughs> yeah so I think uh, I, it, it took me a little while I guess to find out where I wanted to go in, in my kind of career and in many ways I kind of fell into uh, as we all do I guess to a point um, I fell into kind of working in, in the sector yeah. and with young people uh, I think it took me a while to kind of professionalize myself mm. uh, so uh, at that kind of age I did actually drop out of A-levels uh, it took me a long time to kind of you know get back and I went and did my degree as a mature student mm. and, and subsequently have done other um, sort of management and leadership qualifications yeah. um, but it took me a long while to get enough confidence to say I was a professional at what I did mm. Um, because I wasn't a qualified teacher, I wasn't a qualified youth worker, social worker, etc. Mm, mm. um, so I think, whilst I'm not suggesting that at 16 I would have told myself to go down one of those formal routes, um, I do think there's something about, you know, have more confidence in who you can be and go after it. Mm, mm, definitely. So, um, Duncan, is there any um, kind of shout-outs to the, the audience listening in terms of um, ask that you may have, whether that be for staff, uh, for organisations to partner with you, be providers for for flying futures. <clears throat> so I've got uh, I've got this thing where I want to put a job advert up uh, with no description other than, do you want to do something to help young people? If so, get in touch. Mm. Because for me, it doesn't matter what anybody has to offer. Mm. There's always something that they can do um, relating to NCS. Um, so, so for me, uh, I'm just open to conversations. Yeah, great. And uh, I'm going to include all of your the contact details and information on Fantastic. Flying Futures yep. if you're happy to under Absolutely. the video. Um, you know, if if someone was to pick up the phone and call you now, what advice would you give them in terms of finding out more information about Flying Futures? So I think uh, definitely do that. So pick the phone up and speak to people that are doing it. Um, I think speak to the trust. I think the trust are uh, fantastic at uh, making sure that they're kind of open and transparent about the challenges of, of delivering the program, but also the benefits and, and the opportunities that it provides. I think if it's an organization that hasn't done it, I'd be really open to talk to them about the benefits and the pitfalls. Um, as I said right at the beginning of the interview, um, you know, we, we genuinely are an organization that have grown out of and benefited from uh, NCS. Uh, all uh, A large part of the additional work uh, that we've done throughout the time that we've been delivering NCS has only been enabled because of the infrastructure that NCS brings. Um, so, you know, in terms of impact on community, young people and our staff, 
um, I think there's a way that you know NCS can really benefit organisations. Well, thanks for your time today, Duncan, and no for, for having us here at your Flying Futures uh, offices in uh, in Weatherby. No um, problem. It's been great having you on board, and uh, and just thanks for everything you've been doing um, in your role as CEO and your experience with NCS. Thanks very much. Cheers. Thank you. Okay.